0: Hello, podcast listeners. Thanks so much for jumping into another episode of the Access Potential podcast. I hope you're well. We are we are at episode number 100. And I'm very excited for this one. But before I kick it off, I just want to pause for a moment. And I just want to acknowledge each and every one of you. Uh, I appreciate you. I appreciate the time and the attention that you've given to these episodes, and I appreciate you for being here on this first part of the journey. It's been very, very fun, uh, a great learning experience, and it's been a pleasure to have the opportunity to interact with a few of you as well uh, off the back of each episode. So thank you so much, and I really look forward to the next kind of leg of the adventure. So in this episode, I have what I could only describe as one of my heroes on for a guest. And I first came across his work in about 2017. And I quickly was blown away by the depth, by his uh, perspectives, by his insights and I consumed his blog posts, I consumed his books. I started to look for his podcasts on which he was you know, a guest at the time. And then I did a program that he created as well, uh, which was mind-blowing, and we talk a little bit about that. Uh, But I'm pretty excited, you know? So I'm not gonna go too much further because I do attempt to do a little bit of a quick intro once we get started. Uh, I was a little bit nervous. I really look up to this guy, so bear with me on that. But I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, This is one of the greatest marketers of all time and a very, very influential and very powerful man, and a very generous man who's changed a lot of lives. So, without further ado, let's jump in. Uh, this is John Marsh. You're listening to the Access Potential podcast. And today I am here with Seth Godin. So, uh, everyone, really, I'm incredibly grateful today, really excited. I've got somebody super special uh, to me on the podcast. Uh, the guest today is well known. He's an international best-selling author, speaker, entrepreneur. He's been inducted into both the direct and the uh, marketing hall of fame, direct marketing and marketing hall of fame. He writes a pretty cool blog, over 7,500 posts and climbing, I'm thinking now, and goes out to over a million readers. More than this, though, he's a teacher. He's run a lot of courses, programs, uh, including the flagship Alt-MBA. And I can tell you firsthand that the work that he's doing in this area is really, really changing the game. But the thing that you don't pick up when you jump on his website or look him up is that below all of this, he's a very humble, generous, and compassionate human. Uh, His consistency and willingness to do all of the work that he does over this time changing the lives of countless people, including myself, in a really real way uh, every single day. And the thing is, it's not just those who pay attention to Seth's work directly, but many, many more indirectly through a chain reaction by the way in which his ideas and his impact tends to spread over and over again. Personally, Seth changed my entire perception of a lot of aspects of my work And the way that I see the culture around me and the people around me, Uh, he's helped me to see and take a stand for work that I love and work that I enjoy and work that I know that I can do and work that I'm proud of every single day. And you can't really ask for much more than that. So, Mr. Seth Godin, thank you so much for carving out some time sitting with us today on the podcast.
1: What a generous, generous introduction. Thank you very much, John. I really appreciate it
0: so seth uh, i 've got a couple of notes here, so if I do glance over i 'm just kind of getting up to speed. I want oh, to go I'm
1: on the radio okay.
0: <laughs> I want to go back um, to mid two thousand and seventeen and this is when I was first introduced to your work and I heard you talk it was sparse at the time I was looking at different podcasts and I heard you mention the power of or the transformative nature of this daily blogging, and it kind of spiked my interest a little bit and I'm kind of one for consistency and for stringing things together. So I was interested in uh, December 12th, I think it was 2017. I opened up the computer, got myself a WordPress thing, started to do it. And um, I kept it up every single day. I thought I'll roll with this for 30 days or six months and see how it goes. Kept going. Now, something's changed inside of me. I'm not sure what it was. I want to say that it's confidence, but I'm not sure that this is true. And I was wondering if you could talk to us a little bit about this concept of confidence or maybe it's trust, Uh, maybe just whatever comes up for that.
1: That was the word I was looking for. Confidence means that we're sure that something's going to happen. Trust means that we believe in our practice. And confidence is rare. You know, Professional athletes tend to be confident and they lose half or more of all the times they show up. And so their confidence is misplaced. But if we're going to create and contribute, it really helps to have trust. But the person we're trusting most is ourself to be able to, with the experience we've earned, show up in a way we're glad we showed up, even if it didn't work.
0: I love that. So this concept of the blogging, to me, it's kind of been this sort of ongoing uh, project. It's It's got a continuous nature to it. kind of like a really big project but then also the daily practice as well something that kind of um, i get to consider each and every day and i was thinking a little bit about this concept of projects and um, growing up my dad was a boat builder boat designer we've always kind of been in, in and around projects and i really look up to you for what you've taught us about the power of them and i was wondering if you could Sort of riff on that a little bit and talk about this concept of projects or learning through projects.
1: Sure. You know, my dad was also uh, started his entrepreneurial career as a boat guy. He waterproofed boats in outside of New York. The problem is that fiberglass was in its early days in the 60s and the boats leaked. And uh, so the boats weren't actually waterproof what that meant was not that my dad's career was over. It meant that he just figured out one way to not waterproof a boat. And that distinction is super important. That what it means to have a project is that it has a beginning, it has a middle and it has an end. And that shipping our work is a signifier that we now need to ship something else. And so I am a huge fan of no matter how big or small people being in the project habit to say I made this because then you get to do it again and every time you do it you can make it better.
0: Uh, on that quickly if somebody's not hasn't been introduced to that and they've kind of looked at a CV based background and done the tests and kind of gone that road what would be a um, would be a great place to start to kind of wrap your head. I know that this is a way that you guys teach in Alt MBA and it's really right. powerful. Is there anything else that you would kind of suggest or recommend to get going?
1: Well, the only place you can start is where you are. And that can mean you can learn to bake a certain kind of cake uh, because that only costs $4. It means that you could learn to raise $30 for a charity that you care about. It means that you could have a lemonade stand from 3 o'clock to 3.15 in the afternoon on a Saturday. That each one of these projects is tiny, but they beget the next project. And a project does not mean you followed a recipe. A project means that you explored a place of uncertainty and you took responsibility for it.
0: I love that. Uh, I think I'll end up touching back on projects, but I do want to ask you, we're in, uh, you know, 2020 now, the online space just got a lot noisier.
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, A lot
0: of the people that I work with, a lot of their pivots in their businesses was to online and for this period anyway. And uh, my question kind of is, uh, you know, what can we do in this context where we want to be seen more than ever we want to have our work show up people know who we are um be able to find us and yet it's gotten noisier and noisier and i i guess it kind of opens up the question to marketing and to telling stories and i wonder if you could kind of riff on that a little bit because i think another narrative that's kind of popping through is like to try to amplify and, and be noisier, to, to be more frequent, to be louder and kind of go that way as well?
1: Well, if we think about New York City, where I live nearby, uh, in February of 2020, it's one of the most crowded places in North America, one of the noisiest places in North America. And if you were here then, you could go on an 80-block walk and pass... 400 places that were half empty, and then you would get to a bakery that had a line of 20 people to get in. Did that happen because that bakery was famous to everyone? Because the millions of people who were here were all here for that bakery? No, the bakery only needs a thousand people a day to be the busiest bakery in New York. You need a thousand people out of eight million, 10 million, The race is not on to be noisy. The race is on to be heard by a few people, the minimum viable audience, the smallest group of people who can sustain you. And you do that by seeking out people who want what you make, who need what you have, and ignoring everyone else. And that's really hard for a traditional business to get their arms around, but that is the only way forward.
0: This takes me back to your book, This Is Marketing, and there's a the line, you can't be seen until you learn to see. And I know I mentioned a lot of different things in the introduction for you for the podcast, but the biggest one for me has been this concept of seeing uh, and and learning to, or trying my best to be able to do this and practice it. And when we spoke about projects, one thing that comes to mind is that there's the kind of project that you come up with yourself based off of what you're noticing around you. And this seems to link into the same thing around being heard by the smallest viable audience, uh, being the bakery and being able to serve those people in the line. I was wondering if you could talk about this concept of seeing and maybe just whatever comes up for it, because it's super interesting and, and incredibly powerful.
1: Well, Seeing doesn't mean photons bouncing off your fovea, retina, or whatever. Seeing means empathy, understanding that people don't want what you want, don't know what you know, don't believe what you believe. If you're not prepared to go to where they are, they will ignore you. So what it means to learn to see is to give up just enough of our ego to realize that everyone is dancing with a noise in their heads and to go to where they are and serve them.
0: You talk about uh, emotional labor and generosity. Is this kind of along the same lines, this willingness to, to do that work, to kind of put in that effort?
1: Right. So generosity doesn't mean free. Generosity means putting in the effort to see someone else because that's what they really want. And so what we have is a choice, and the choice is to do physical labor, which very few of us do for a living, or emotional labor, which means showing up with your emotions when you don't feel like it, simply because you can, because it's your privilege to do so. That's our work. That faking your way through a day by doing what you're told, that's not work. That's getting paid for your time but work is the gutsy act of showing up in a way that maybe you don't feel like it, but it's a, it's a contribution.
0: Could you talk a little bit about, I love your, your take on uh, this concept of art. And when we're on the lines of work and, and showing up and generosity kind of looking over towards art because one thing which was really interesting that I found writing this blog is after a few months, I kind of tried on this uh, identity or narrative that I was a writer, right? And I wasn't a writer beforehand. Now I was writing for a little while. Where's the line? Well, I decided to cross the line and just kind of just kind of claim it. And it was really helpful. And then it turned into, uh, I like making videos and it turned into creating other things and film now and this concept of creator. So I kind of claim that one too. And then starting to look at the things that I create as art. And this has gone a very far away from where it was a few years ago. And I wonder if you could talk about art and how we can look at that, because I think it can be really helpful.
1: Well, I love this story. Uh, The only way to be a runner is to run. You can buy all the equipment and sit around at home, but you're not a runner. We claim any of these behaviors Now you can't claim I am tall, and you really can't claim I was born in Australia, but you can claim almost every one of these other labels if you want it. Well, for me, art is nothing to do with painting at all. Art is the human act of doing something that might not work, something for the first time, something generous. That's art. And if you want to be an artist, you should make some art.
0: So, what do we? Which comes first? Do we do we try on the narrative? Do we hang out with other people who are considering themselves to be artists? Uh, do we hang out with writers and kind of bring ourselves into this, or do we lead it from the front ourselves? Do we do the act first? Do we go and run run before we consider ourselves? If that makes sense,
1: it does. I think both. I think that everyone needs to run by themselves the first time. But if you want to be a good runner, it helps to have a running group. And the same thing's true for the people who are hanging out with Andy Warhol or the people who went um, to the Stanford Business School in 1978 and wanted to start a startup. That when you are with a cohort, that peer pressure, that social connection makes it more likely that you persist through the various dips that will show up.
0: Mm. Uh, One thing that... I th- I believe that you're known for that I look up to you uh, as having this attribute as consistency. And it's actually the way you speak about consistency has changed kind of how I think about the word and, and how I sort of appreciate it. Uh, however, there's also an element of speed that I can sense and this concept of doing work fast, however, not frantically. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about this uh ability to balance speed with also attention and I want to say I want to say attention to detail and quality uh there's a certain um there's a certain effort in into the work that you do to be able to bring that to us and I I really appreciate it and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that because it's, it's a, it seems like an art to be able to do what you do in that way.
1: Well, let's start with consistency because people don't want your authentic self. They don't want authenticity. They want you to make a promise and keep it. Uh, and so if you're a fan of a musician and she's having a bad day, you still want her to put on a great concert. That's why you went, not to be her therapist. And so if we're going to be consistent, we make a promise and we keep it. Now, you can consistently keep the promise of, I'm going to ship something every few years. It's going to be really late. It's going to come with a lot of anxiety on my part. I'm going to worry about details you'll never even notice. Make that promise. People who want that will buy it from you, and that's what you can deliver. But you get to pick what you're going to promise. And so I've never promised anyone typo-free perfection. And I have never promised anyone deeply researched, footnoted, proven scientific journals. Other people can promise that. That's not what I'm promising. I'm promising something that I know I want to be in the business of delivering. And so when I'm doing my work, I'm not frantic at all. I'm just very deliberate about saying there's 26 letters in the alphabet. I start with A, I end up with Z, and then I'm done. No commentary. No panic. This is just the work. And I don't think it's that different than being a plumber. Right? No one gets plumbers blocked. You just show up and you fix the drain. That's what you promised to do. That's what you should do. And Saturday night, I have trouble saying it, Saturday Night Live goes on every week at 1130. Not because it's funny, but because it's 1130. That's all they promised. And then once they're going to go on, they might as well make the best show they can. But they don't sit around waiting until they have the perfect show before they put on saturday night live
0: i'm interested in your own in some of the earlier work you know just from from bits and pieces that i've heard obviously with the the blog the blog goes out each day because it's the next day right it it has to go uh, and it, it gets to go which is kind of cool too the Early work in, say, the book packaging where there was, you know, an incredible, what seems just like an incredible amount, I would have loved to have been there, you know, to see this, but an incredible amount of work being done uh, at a pretty regular frequency. I'm interested, did that sort of frequency and pace set itself like the blog, like, hey, another month, another book, or was this something that was driven internally on your own pace your own clock like a marathon runner you know just going for a pb sort of thing
1: right so for those of you who haven't obsessed about my prehistoric details uh when i was a book packager i did 120 books in 10 years book a month for 10 years some bestsellers a lot of books that weren't bestsellers and the reason is pretty simple because if we had done a book every two months we would have gone out of business you do the math you can't afford to stay in business doing a book every two months because I had a team, I had partners, publishers don't pay that much. We got a royalty if the book worked, you know, there's a business model and the business model was it doesn't cost anything to send out a proposal. You can send out a proposal to as many people as you want. So every Thursday we sent out 30 or 40 proposals and every month, one of the 160 things we sent out sold. And if we sold something, we had to make it. And it took four months, six months. Some books took a year to make and around and around. So some people were busy making the book and some people were busy inventing the next book. And and on. An, you get the idea. Um, it was a magnificent period of time for me because it was as pure a creative system as I could imagine. Um, and I almost went broke every three years.
0: Uh, you mentioned the team, and you mentioned other people um, playing their part and doing their work in that period. And from the outside, it seems like you know I, I was part of Alt MBA and loved that experience, and also you know have some of your books and enjoy your work. Uh, so there's a huge amount of output, and I won't say a huge infrastructure, but a a lot of work that you've done, a lot of stuff that's created, and it seems like a very small team of other generous people helping you. Uh, and a lot of it done yourself. I wonder if you could talk a little bit about this ability that you've you've cultivated or this uh, just, just kind of freelancer solo effort to do so much right. work on your own.
1: All right, so I have a discipline. It's not for everyone. Some days I'm a freelancer. So today, talking to you, it's me. There's no team here. Every blog post I've ever written was written by me. Every book I've ever written was written by me with no help from anyone. I just write the whole book. But if you're in the Alt-MBA, you will not meet me there because I am an entrepreneur when I'm running the Alt-MBA. I designed it, but Marie and our coaches run it and it runs better because I'm not there. Because if I was there, I would be inconsistent and I would be interesting to myself, but I wouldn't be doing it in this polished way that we have created. So our core team that runs all of Akimbo, all of the workshops and the Alt-MBA is seven or eight people with 120 coaches around the world that support us. But my freelance team is just me. Mm. And I need them to be separate because I don't wanna outsource my voice and I don't want uh, to build a giant institution filled with people I don't know or trust.
0: I love that. One of my favorite books of all time is *Lynchpin*. Yeah, thank you. And it's my most gifted book of all time as well. And I was—I kind of was thinking about it the other day as we've come into sort of you know a little bit of change in in uh, the economy and the culture. We're in Australia here; it's it's happening here too. Uh, And it seems that this book is kind of in a way more relevant now than ever. And I was wondering, firstly, if you agree or not, and if so, if you could kind of riff on that a little bit.
1: So the book is about the uh, eventual end of the industrial economy. Because if someone can write down everything you do in your job, they will find someone cheaper than you to do it. They'll either outsource your job or they will get a computer to do it and uh, the alternative is to choose to be someone whose job cannot be written down and that means you're using judgment and emotional labor and dealing with the resistance and figuring out how to bring real skills to your work because that is where true value is created and when i wrote it a lot of organizations said don't be ridiculous We're just going to get bigger and bigger, and we're going to hire dumber and dumber people who will work cheaper and cheaper. And that has happened. But what has also happened is real leverage has come from the connection to the internet, and real resilience has come to small organizations. And so now that we're in the middle of COVID and a worldwide pandemic, companies are not in such a hurry to get as big as possible. Companies are now taking a deep breath and saying, why don't we need all these people in this room? And why do we need people to have people who do things for people who do people? Why don't we just hire a few people and get them, trust them enough to get them to do the right thing? And so I didn't wish for this pandemic, but I'm not surprised at the speed bump because the, the capitalism has sowed the seeds of its own destruction 100 years ago. And the two problems capitalism has, which Economists are eager to point out: one is monopoly, they can, and two is side effects, which is that unchecked capitalism leaves behind a mess, and linchpins undermine both of those things. Because linchpins get back to humanity, and a human being who says, "I can do something about this."
0: You use the word destruction there, another one uh that is often used, maybe overused sometimes in some circles, is this concept of disruption. And one other area that comes to mind, of course, is education. And I know that you said with the Alt MBA and some of the work that you do in the educational further learning, that as long as it works, we'll continue to to do this. And To me, it feels like it's a lot bigger than that. It feels like it's really, there's a huge amount of potential and it's more than working. And I can't help but kind of look forward and go, oh, interesting, like I wonder where this can go. Does this resonate with you uh, now more than it did when you kind of kicked off Alt-MBA and when you started these these types of projects?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Alt-MBA was only gonna run once, maybe twice. It was instead of doing a seminar. Now, we are seeing that learning is rising, education is falling apart. And we are at the very front of the whole learning parade, that we are pioneering online learning techniques that most institutions haven't even thought about yet. And I'm eager for people to copy what we're doing, because we're not trying to corner the market in learning. We're trying to um, describe how it could be better. When I wrote Permission Marketing, Email marketing was a $0 billion industry. And now it's a $20 billion industry. And I get $0 billion of those $20 billion. My goal wasn't to corner the market in email marketing. It was to describe a future. And so we are describing for our 20,000 plus alumni how they could walk through the world differently. And I'm always thrilled when I see people like you who are showing up and making things better for other people that's why we're doing it.
0: I love that. Um, I, I guess more on a, on a slightly personal note, but I think this will resonate with a lot of people. You know, we just came off of talking about Alt-MBA, which is one of your many amazing projects. Uh, other ones that come to mind are books, you know, like Linchpin, Um, I've got Icarus Deception here. Tribes, one of my favorite books of all time. And... This idea of these bigger sort of projects, these bigger things that you are leaning into, and my question is that for a lot of us, uh, maybe we've started the blogging, maybe we've we built the consistency, and we've been very fortunate. We have you in front of us. We have people like yourself who have been paving a way or carving a path that we can kind of look up to as sort of a hero and go, okay yeah this seems to make sense I'll give this a shot and then see what I see uh my question is if someone's looking to try on the bigger projects to try to kind of find their next thing which is a little less kind of uh of a following mentality it's a little bit more out into the open a little bit more exploratory uh it's it's also going to require time and it's going to require energy and it's going to require effort and my question is for a lot of small business owners and freelancers this thing we talked about before around being seen being heard can lead to this narrative of i call it like swimming around in a teacup really fast like doing lots of little things quickly to try to be everywhere at once for the hope that more people kind of see your stuff and i'm not saying that that's wrong but i can sense that if i am going to lean into some of these bigger things which may be to me more meaningful or able you know allow me to explore kind of what's possible over there i won't be able to be everywhere at once and so i wonder if you could just talk about that because i know you're still consistent with the daily blog and still consistently showing up each day and you know most likely working on another book as well and and right and so i wonder how you how you balance this if that's the right word or how you go about Creating that ability to kind of seemingly be in d- different sort of domains at one time and be able to manage that.
1: Well, I think it's important to remind ourselves that I am unknown, that 99 percent of the people on this earth have never heard of me, that we only have 21,000 or so graduates. That's all. The smallest viable audience is not very big. So if you can organize a thousand people you could do something bigger thousand people is all you need to be able to have the cash flow and the energy to build the team a thousand people and um you know if i'm gonna take the time to do a podcast it's because i want to it's not because i have to and what i'm doing is serving a group of people that's not very big the mistake social media pushes people to make is to think we need a bigger group more likes more friends these people don't really like you. They're not really your friends. You need to go back to the core group that would miss you if you're gone and then and then serve them. And that's a good day. That's it. That's a good day.
0: I love that. Uh, kind of one of the one of the sort of final things I wanted to ask is this concept of showing your work and you've mentioned it before, you blogged about it. I believe it was yesterday or very recently. And I wonder if you could kind of unpack that a little bit and what that means. And, you know, uh, you mentioned vulnerability, but, oh, sorry, authenticity before. Right. How does this sit? What's the sort of dance there?
1: So, if I say to a civil engineer or a mechanical engineer, is this bridge going to hold up a car? She'll show me her work, and we know it will work. She's not offended by the question. And if I show a defect in her work, she'll fix the bridge. But if I show some charlatan faith healing guy that the thing he's claiming is going to solve some disease is actually going to kill people, he'll attack me. He'll get offended. He can't show his work. There are no tests. And so what I'm arguing for is, As we go forward in a world where everyone has a microphone, if you've got a platform, please lead us, but show us your work. And be prepared to make your work better if somebody else says, wait a minute, I saw this calculation. What if you did that? Because that iterative process is at the heart of being a useful contribution.
0: Mm, Okay so okay i love that so last question language uh the ability to create you know one of my favorite books or works that you did was tribes it changed how i uh when i moved out of my last business into the one that i created now it changed how i thought about uh, lateral connection, bringing people together, strengthening within the tribe, and it's changed how I see a lot of what's going on in in tribes or in groups. Uh, even now, when a lot of businesses closed down, and there was this kind of collective wanting to hang around and wanting to be part of something, I wonder if you could talk about uh, language, your use of language. There's there's a tribe I feel around your community that you've connected. Um, yeah, you know, can you talk a little bit about how you do that, how you come up with that sort of concept or those words or those little nuances?
1: Well, first one slight, um, edit, which is, I don't have a tribe. There is a tribe that I get to narrate to, but other people narrate to that group too. They don't belong to me. Um, but with that said, language is an intentional act you don't get to just say what you feel like and hope that other people will understand you. And perhaps my biggest asset skill wise is I practice and practice using words until I find a phrase that when someone hears it, they feel like they learned, they knew it all along. That's not easy to do. And so I learned this with permission, marketing, permission marketing took me four months to name come up with the name but once i had the name the book was pretty easy to write because i'd been living the stories but the name was like transformative because oh i understand and that's what we seek to do that's how you make a website that actually works better you know it's interesting people have talked about zoom uh, taking off zoom's user interface is not very good Zoom has all these things buried and you're not sure where they, but their user experience is fantastic because using just a couple images and hints, you know how to use it before you've even used it. That's what we're going for. How do we use words so that the person we're talking to already understands what we say before we even say it?
0: Beautiful. I love that you've given me, given me and us, the listeners so much to think about in all of this. Um, so much gold. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you, John. Um, It's a, it's a privilege. I'm glad you're making this ruckus. I am so impressed by your streak, by the blog, by the podcast, keep making it.
0: Is there anything else that we need to keep our eyes open for coming up or anywhere people should go check out your stuff?
1: Well, you can see all the stuff at akimbo.com, A-K-I-M-B-O, and the Alt-M-B-A is there, and my blog is at Seths.blog.
0: Beautiful, thank you, Seth, thanks so much. We'll see ya. The work that we've done around the, the listening, the empathy, um, even pausing, you know, kind of all these elements, like, they're invaluable. Um, and the fact that we get to practice them every day, just means we keep getting better, and we keep creating better relationships, better connections um i truly believe this is the reason you know why our business is thriving
1: because it's something that no one else is doing
0: if you're in the small business space particularly in health and wellness and you are interested in learning the fundamental skills that are needed to show up and stand out in your business over the long haul you might want to check out the access potential academy program uh, if you'd like to find out a little bit more about the program and the work that we do, send me a little email, john at And I always look forward to hearing from you and hearing what you are looking to create. Thanks again for listening.